the book of Colossians. With the Lord being my helper and giving me a green light, I want to start a, a little series on Wednesday nights I'm going to call God's Prayer List. How many of you uh, would admit that sometimes our prayer lists can get a little too long for the flesh? Uh, you might as well, as Randall Boker would say, nod your little heads up and down and say, Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Uh, did you know that God has a prayer list? And there's actually several uh, places in the Word that instructs us on the mind of God as it relates to prayer. And it is our job to find out how close our prayer list is to his or how far off it is. I think sometimes we can pray about fruit when we need to be praying about the root. Amen? For example, we're at praying God will fix something that chaos created in our lives, but we ain't praying that God will fix our behavior that caused the chaos. Hello? Amen. Praying for fruit to be fixed. Really, did you know that when you pray for fruit, when you don't address the root, you end up with artificial fruit? Yeah. You might, you might give the appearance or the illusion that it's fixed, but if the root is dead, the fruit will soon be dead, if not already. And what you'll find when you study God's prayer list, He always addresses the root. Amen. If you want good fruit, then you're going to have to have a healthy root system. And you can't ignore the corruption of the heart while you're asking God to fix things. Especially if those rotted things in your life are directly connected to the rottenness of your own soul. Amen. So God wants us to dig deeper than surface level Christianity. Oh Lord, I'm not in a bind. Can you help me out of a bind? When was the last time you really wanted to live in the presence of God? Or do you just treat him like a spare tire when things go wrong? Quit praying about the fruit and start praying about the root. The fruit will take care of itself. Amen? God's prayer list. Let's go to Colossians 1. Colossians 1, let's look at it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith, in Christ Jesus, and of the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doeth also in you since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, 
Epaphras, I think I pronounced that right, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. So he's talking about growing in grace, growing in faith. You heard the gospel, it changed your life. God's doing great things in your life, amen. Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. He said to come back and report that you love the Lord, that you're genuine, that you're sincere, amen. Verse nine, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to what? Do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Look what he's praying for the church. Let me ask you this. Do you think this is a fleshly filled prayer or a spirit filled prayer? Amen. It's a spirit filled prayer. He's saying that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Question. If we're going to pray that we're filled with the knowledge of his will, how do we put shoe leather to that prayer? Okay, we pray for it, but you ever heard of the expression, uh, sometimes you've got to put, uh, put uh, legs on your prayers? Amen, you ever heard that little story? Yeah. Some, somebody was, I think they was praying that God burned down a, uh, a juke joint or something, one of them beer halls, dance hall or something. And uh, one of the fellas praying God to burn it down and heard the preacher preaching on putting, putting uh, legs on your prayers. And next week that thing burned down. Come find out he took the preacher's message seriously and put legs on his prayers. <laughs> Threw on that thing. That's not what we're talking about. But, but, but look at what we're, what we're praying for is that we be filled with the knowledge of his will. Where do we find the knowledge of God's will? God's word. All right, so you can't pray for the, to be filled with the knowledge of the, of the will of God if you're not willing to dig for it. If you want to know the will of God for your life, you're gonna have to read his word. Right, amen? So don't just pray for it, dig for it. Go for it. Amen? And don't say you're interested in knowing about the things of God if you ignore half what he writes and dodge the other half. And, and don't get offended at God if he corrects you. You ought to be thankful that he does. Amen? He's just trying to keep us from avoiding pitfalls along the way. So we're praying. We're talking about praying around the roots of our faith so that the fruit will remain, right? Yeah. All right, so look at it. That you might walk worthy, verse 10, of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we're praying that we walk worthy of the Lord. So this is getting down to where the rubber meets the road. We're asking God to help us to live out the Christian faith. To not just have cheap talk. It's easy to say that you're a Christian. It's a whole lot different to be a Christian, isn't it? Yeah. To, to practice what you preach. And this is the kind of praying that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, led 
the apostle to pray for the church. And I believe this is a good model prayer for us to pray for one another. And, and I know, I believe in praying for the sick. And I believe in praying that little Johnny's toe will quit hurt. And I believe in praying all, all, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, but let me ask you a question. How spiritual are our prayer requests? How, if you did a contrast of spiritual matters versus carnal matters, spiritual matters versus physical needs, percentage-wise, what would you guess would be uh, spiritual versus carnal? Physical, probably more. I would have to agree with that. Now that may be different from church to church, but it's been my experience, generally speaking, that the majority of prayer requests is over somebody who's in the hospital, somebody who just got cancer, somebody that just died, or somebody who's broken needs some money, and it's always around the physical stuff. Very few, if any, say, pray that I'll get closer to God. Pray that my lost loved one will come to Christ. Pray that I'll grow in the nurturing and the admonition of the Lord. Pray that I won't be a hypocrite, but that I'll actually take it to heart and try to live out what the Holy Spirit teaches me from His Word and His will. That's why I said, this is God's prayer list. God gets to fingering around that heart, don't he? Yes. And, and he gets down to where the rubber meets the road. Amen? Yes. All right, so we're, what verse are we at? Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. That's one thing to work for the Lord. It's another thing to be fruitful in that work. So we're, we're not just praying that we could get busy for Jesus. We're praying that what we do for Jesus will actually affect real results. Did you know that you could be full of religious activity and never bear any fruit? How can you do religious activity and not bear fruit? i tell you how when your religious activity is not rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Remember to have fruit, you've got to have a root. Religious activity is something you can participate in that never leads anybody to Jesus, that never teaches and motivates people to get out and be a witness for the Lord. I mean, literally, we can fill our days till Jesus comes, if it's 100 years from now, doing all kinds of religious activities and never baptizing another soul, never seeing somebody... Uh, it is possible. There are churches right now that are drying up and dying on the vine because they're full of religious activity, but there's no root. They don't have any relationship with God. And what he's teaching us to do is pray that we'll get involved in the work of the Lord that has fruit. I'm not just interested in doing religious exercises. I want God to effect change through what we're trying to do for him. I want fruit that remains. Now, I understand that sometimes the fruit comes at a later date and I may not see the fruit till I get to heaven. That's okay. But I do got to know that it's rooted in the Word of God if I'm to expect it to bear any fruit. So what are we praying for? We're praying for fruit. All right, so let's look at that verse again. 
that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. So it's important that your work is rooted in the word of God, but it also goes without saying that it's important that you do actually do the work. A farmer can't expect a crop if you don't go out and plow the fields and plant the seeds. I know Christians and churches all over the place that want God to send the harvest, but they don't want to lift a finger towards plowing the fields and planting the seed. Amen. If we want to win this next generation, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have to plow the, 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 the soil of their heart with the Word of God and with the love of Christ. We're going to have to water that seed that God puts in them. And it's going to take patience. It's going to take love. It's going to take endurance. It's going to take... Uh, a commitment is going to take discipleship. That's how you work the ground of the Lord. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's right. So he's talking about planting the seed of the love of God and then going back and watering it, right? Don't just tell some don't just invite somebody to church. Tell them Jesus loves them and then follow up with them. Yeah. You know, the key, I think, to successful evangelism is follow up. Yeah. Amen. Now sometimes you can't follow up. And that's up to the Lord to keep up with that seed and send somebody else to water what you, you know, planted. But there are times we can't follow up. Especially if they're neighbors. You've been living beside each other for 30 years. You might as well tell them about Jesus every once in a while. Can I get an amen, church? I'm talking about if you want fruit, you got to do the work. And the work's got to be rooted in the Word of God. And any breakdown in that whole phase there, whether we're doing work but it's not rooted in the Word of God, or we know the Word of God but we're not doing the work prescribed by the Word of God, any breakdown in that cycle will, in the end result, will be no fruit. And, uh, and, and, and let me tell you, any church in America, the Word of God is so powerful that any church in America, if they'll apply the principles of that book and put it to work, can experience a great revival and a turnaround and a, a house packed with people singing and praising God after he's, they've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. There's not a church in America that ain't a candidate for revival if they'll seek after God. Leonard Ravenhill said it very well. The reason we don't experience revival is because we can. When we get to where we can't do without revival, God might just bless our appetite. And, and personally, I'm not satisfied with living a mediocre Christian life. I sometimes get told I'm doing too much. The Lord ain't told me that yet. Amen. I know sometimes we get busy and sometimes we can do things that we invented. I realize that. But let me ask you something. When we stand before the Lord, are we gonna uh, are we gonna want to hear well done a good faithful servant, or do we want to hear that wicked and slothful servant? Or slothful implies no effort. By the way, church attendance is not 
the whole lump sum of the work of the Lord. It is just the starting point. We have teachers, pastors, evangelists, all those gifts that God gives the church for the edification of the body of Christ, for the instruction of the saints so that we can learn how to employ, be employed in the work of the Lord. Find out why God put you here and get busy doing it. So if you don't know the book, you know the quickest route to learning the book? Read it. If you can't read it, play the audio and listen to it. So within faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You can figure it out if you're hungry enough. John LeBeau, my friend up in Rhode Island, taught himself how to read by ripping off cereal boxes. And he'd read off them cereal boxes one word at a time. He'd figure it out. I don't know how he did it, but he taught himself to read. Now he's got a master's degree. And he's going on for his doctorate, I think. And he was a member of a gang at an early age. 13 years old. God saved him off the street. Don't tell me you can't learn. The kingdom is for the hungry. You're hungry enough, you'll figure it out. Nobody will stop you. So get in the book. All right, so that's what we're praying for is fruit. Verse 11, strengthen with all might. So praying for strength with all might according to his glorious power, his glorious power, not ours, under all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Don't be like the Christian says, well, I'll suffer long, but I ain't gonna be happy about it. Right? All long suffering with joyfulness. Learn how to endure hardness still with joy in your heart. So it's hard. Yeah, I know. It's always hard. But it don't have to rob you of your joy. That's a lesson we all need reminded of from time to time. This is, kind of, this is the kind of praying God wants us to have over each other. Praying for joy. Praying for strength. Praying for long-suffering. Praying for patience. I like what Gary Lutrick said. I heard him preach this years ago and never forgot it. He said, why are you preachers getting up and telling your congregation to not pray for patience? When the Bible clearly says that you need patience. Pray for patience. Yeah, if you pray for patience, God's going to send you a trial. Big deal. That's the only way you're going to get it. So you might as well, amen, buckle up and hang on, honey. Let the Holy Ghost pick your trials and teach you how to get through them. You're not going to get patience any other way, so you might as well pray for it. Yeah, it reminds me of when I was... Uh, when I first hit high school and I did not take pre-algebra in eighth grade. So my first introductory to algebra, I did not have the advantage of some of my fellow students who come from other elementary schools that took pre-algebra. So for the first half of that semester, I failed algebra one. And I woke up and I realized I hate this so bad that I don't want to take it again next year. So I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps and started reading the, the teacher, the, the student's book. And you know how awful it is to try to learn anything out of one of them books. But between me trying to figure it out at home and going taking my questions to my teacher, I passed that class because my second semester did so well pulled up my first semester grade. I hated it. I was hungry enough uh, to endure that hardship so I wouldn't have to go through it again. 
Here's what I'm saying. The longer you delay your patience class, the more pay, the more you're going to have to put up with it. Just go ahead and get over with it. Pray for it. Ask God. God, give me patience. And if I have to go through a trial to learn it, then so be it. Just go easy on me if you can, Lord. Ain't nothing wrong with asking them to say, leave me on to temptation but deliver me from evil. Ain't nothing wrong with that. He taught us how to pray like that. I don't want to go through no unnecessary problems. But whatever is necessary to equip me for the ministry he's called me to. And if you're saved by the grace of God, you're called to ministry. It don't matter. It don't matter if you're a preacher or not. It don't matter if you're a pastor or not. It don't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher or this or that. You're called to minister the hope of the gospel to those around you. So pray for patience. Verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Giving thanks unto the Father. When was the last time you just stopped and said, Lord, I just want to come to you, not asking for anything, but just saying thank you. You didn't ask for things. He, he's not rebuking us. When we, in fact, he says, you had not called you asked not. But some of that stuff we ask for, that's praying for fruit. But we need to start at the root. God fixed my heart. The psalmist said, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed on thee, O God. And that word fixed has a twofold meaning. It was repaired and it was fixated. Amen. <laughs> and by the way, if your heart ever gets locked in on Jesus, I would say it was repaired. Amen. A heart locked in on Jesus is a fixed heart. This is the kind of thing we need to pray for. God's prayer list is pretty tough. Pretty tough on us. But also, the alternative is a whole lot worse on us. Think about that. Before you go to crying and whining about how hard it is to serve God, the Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. It's a whole lot harder to live for the devil or yourself than it is to live for God. The devil just twists your mind and gets you all backwards on it. You'd be a whole lot better off. Lord, fix me. Fix my heart. Fix my attitude. Set my eyes on you. Give me patience, give me strength, give me endurance, help me to be fruitful, help me to be faithful. And this is what I'm praying for this church, that this year will be the most fruitful year this church has ever had in their existence. Amen. I, I pray fruits popping out everywhere. I pray that so many people come in and join and it makes us nervous. Amen. I pray it grows so quick that when I have to just quit and, and have a thankful heart that God's moving. Never in the Bible did it say for us to look for a comfort zone. Amen. Uh, maybe I need to preach that message that I heard preached years ago by a preacher friend of mine on, on uh, the pains of church growth. Somebody might come in here one day sitting in your seat. And you better not walk up to them and say, that's my seat. you got to move. That ain't your seat. That's God's seat. And you better be thankful somebody's showing up and needing a seat. I saw that happen. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's, that's one surefire way to run somebody off and send a signal you don't want them at your church. When it should have been, praise God, we have a visitor. They might need Jesus. Maybe they've never been saved. And you're going to run them off and they could potentially go to hell because they didn't hear the message because you offended them 
But at least you got your seat. Congratulations. You got your seat for a Sunday and you sent somebody to hell. See how stupid people can be. And, and God wants us to be mature enough to adjust to this kind of growth. That, but that growth, before we see it manifest as fruit, is going to have to be in here. God told Israel, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I believe the reason many churches are empty today is because people's hearts, the mouth of their heart, is not open wide to receive what God wants for them. If, if you really want it to grow, you're going to have to send God the signal that you welcome it. Why would God send a hundred people to us if we can't give, get along with the five we got? God's going to have to work on the heart. And if we care more about souls being saved and going to heaven and avoiding hell than we do our own personal preferences, we'll get over ourselves and grow up in the Lord and become mature. Can I get an amen? So I'm talking about growing up. This is God's prayer list. That we'll grow and mature. And the uh, first Saturday of February, uh, we're going to have our drive-through prayer again. But we're also going to initiate uh, soul winning. And I want to challenge every one of you to come. If not to sit or stand and pray for those coming to the prayer line to maybe get together with me and Brother Ron and start a class on discipleship. How to tell people about Jesus when you go visit them. You say, well, Brother Gary, you can't visit people today like you used to. Well, it may not be the same culture that it used to be. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something you might not have thought about. We're so far removed from the door-to-door -door salesman days that nowadays those people that used to run the door-to-door -door salesman off 30 years, 20, 15 years ago, 30 years, a lot of them are just hoping somebody will show up and show them a little kindness now. Lonely. And you can, you can conduct yourself in a gentlemanly fashion or as a gentle lady. Uh, with, there's proper protocol that calls you guys. And I don't expect everybody to be comfortable doing this, but I am asking God to put soldiers' uh, boots on the ground. Amen. Maybe you're a praying saint and you'll pray for those that go. But we need some going saints. Amen. Yes, sir. I know you would. And maybe you ride around and pray. If you can't get out of every door, you can ride around and pray. Amen. But listen, we got to, if we want the fruit, we got to dig for it. We got to plow the ground. We got to ask God for deeper roots, rooted in the Word of God. Appreciate gentlemen like uh, Brother Dean uh, still serving with the Gideons, uh, helping spread the word of God, publish the word of God. Amen. I don't just love seeing that fire. Brother Dean, don't ever lose that fire you got for the Lord. Amen. I appreciate you, respect you, love you for that. Uh, that's what I'm talking about, though. Just what, it, where, however God can use you. Maybe your thing ain't door knocking. That's okay. It's not for everybody. But let me tell you something. Don't knock it till you try it, right? You know, not everybody. It, it, it seems to be a rare thing uh, for, to find those Christians that really want to be vocal for Jesus. But that can change, and it needs to change. 
I mean, we're vocal about everything else. Yeah. Amen. You're vocal about your opinion. Well, if we're excited for Jesus and the message of the gospel as we was publishing our own opinion, we'd have done one the whole world to Jesus. Why are we so quick to mouth off about things that don't matter as it relates to eternity? I think it's that flesh don't not want to be embarrassed, right? Oh, God, help us to be fruitful and, and pull out anything in the soul of my heart that would prohibit me from being fruitful for you. Whether it's a bad attitude, uh, the psalmist prayed, create within me a right spirit, uh, create within me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. If we, That's another line item on God's prayer list. If we just get that one down, it changed the, 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 the landscape of the average church in America. Create within me a new heart of God and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, you might say attitude. Amen. God's prayer list.